This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 16-inch. On this episode, we interview John Bermuda Schwartz. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch you don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. I can't get enough of that theme song by the amazing Grammy-nominated Jim Kimo West. And speaking of Jim, he's doing a solo show on Wednesday, August 28th at Square Cat Vinyl in Indianapolis, the day before Al plays in Indianapolis. And speaking of Indianapolis... All concert posters have finally been put out. All the designs, they are absolutely awesome. All 64 different designs. I don't know which is my favorite. I really don't. It, yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough. You know, there are ones that I've, you know, early on kind of latched onto, but then, you know, there were still so many more to come out. So I really need to sit down and, and think about it yeah. and figure out which shirts I'm going to buy. I've already, I've, I've bought a lot of those shirts, but, you know, they keep releasing some big heavy hitters. So it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah, if you have not seen all 64 designs yet, you can do so. Check out on Weird Al's Instagram and his Twitter. It, it is, they are awesome. You They're really cool. You want to see them all. JW, I think, kind of talked about it in our, our interview, but they, they turned out to be like bigger than he would have ever expected. They're so popular, and um, I wonder if they'll do the posters again. Yeah, I, I hope they do something again. <laughs> <laughs> the wall space in my apartment <laughs> hopes they don't, but <laughs> deep down, you know, there were some really cool things that came out of this, some really thoughtful and just fun pieces. So I could totally see them doing this again. Yeah, I'm totally looking forward to see what JW has cooked up for the next tour. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got a, a big uh, task ahead of him to top himself on these tour posters. I'll That's tell right. You that. And uh, so we are, I mean, as, since Al announced the last tour poster, and he, he announces them two weeks before the show, Strings Attached Tour is coming to an end, and our personal Strings Attached Tour is coming to an end. Our last two shows, tonight and tomorrow. is such a great tour. It is so sad that it is coming to an end for us. We are in Victoria tonight, and we will be in Abbotsford tomorrow. And, and then, that's it. That's it. It's so sad. <laughs> and then we leave, and as far as we know, the tour does not go on without us, but I'm sure it actually does <laughs> go on without us. Uh, but yeah, we, we get to see some cool listeners at every show, so if you're at either of those shows, come find us. While supplies last, we got some stickers, we got some business cards, and uh, it's always fun uh, grabbing pictures and saying hi. Yeah, we've, we've met a lot of great fans out here on the West Coast so far, and they've all been absolutely amazing. They've all like topped my expectations. <laughs> They're really cool people out here. And sometimes we'll be we'll talking to a, a fan or a friend, and they'll hear that we do a podcast, and random people will come up to us like you do a podcast about weird al you know give me an information <laughs> and uh so that's always cool too uh making new fans and friends so let's talk a little bit about this week's guest john bermuda schwartz he just celebrated a birthday this week right yeah august 18th so happy birthday to, to you bermuda happy birthday what better way to celebrate 
Bermuda's birthday than to have him on as a guest on our podcast. Well, there is one better way, and that's the gift of a spatula. But uh, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll have to, uh, having him on the podcast, we'll have to do. And it's not only a gift for Bermuda getting to be on such an amazing podcast, but it's a gift to our listeners getting to hear such an insightful interview. We hear about a lot of great stuff with his collection and other projects. It's, it's a lot of fun. We are here with someone who you may recognize. You may have heard him on our podcast already. Please welcome John Bermuda Schwartz. Hi, nice to be back. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a long time now to see you. Good to see yeah, you what's again. What's it been? Uh, 30 seconds? <laughs> In podcast world, that's a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to ask you, I wanted to know a little bit about um, your collection. Now you have maybe rivaling me and Kenneth Gwinnup, you know, yeah. the, the largest Weird Al collection that anybody in the world could possibly have. Is it even bigger than Al's? Uh, yes. <laughs> I think there was a point early on where he deferred to me to just keep a copy of everything. Oh yeah. Of the obscure stuff. And uh, he's obviously got some things I don't have. I got a lot of stuff he doesn't have. Yeah. Uh, but Kenneth and Dave and and uh, you know, there's a couple of guys out there really have been diligent <laughs> in finding things, and that I haven't found. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of jealous. I mean, Kenneth up in Seattle has has. Uh, I don't want to say exploited. He's exploited his collections <laughs> somewhat. I don't want to say that. No, he's he's had it on display at uh, the Puyallup Fair up there, the mm-hmm. Western Washington Fair, uh, and he's he's got some very very cool stuff. I mean, he really goes out and finds things. He's he's found these impossible issues of of old albums, and he'll get two of them, like two. Israeli in three DLPs or mm. something like that, and send me one. You know, so he's oh, been a, a real amazing. benefactor to the archive, which, <laughs> I, you know, of course, is destined for Al. I mean, this isn't stuff. I don't have any kids or dogs that are going to live very long, so it's, <laughs> you know, they're not going to get my stuff. You know, some, at some point, Al gets all this stuff, and he's a little fearful because he knows how deep the collection goes <laughs> and how much stuff is in it that, that he wouldn't really keep. Right. And that I know that, uh, that Suzanne has kind of helped him uh, thin out and, uh, and prune his collection. Uh, <laughs> we don't. A large we don't degree. want her to touch your collection. <laughs> no. Well, she, well, she'll get it someday. She, one of these days, she'll get it, and then they can figure out what they want. But in the meantime, uh, I have a very uh, healthy and and pretty complete representation, at least in terms of audio and video product. Uh, I've I've got uh, you know a lot of handwritten mm. notes, lyric sheets, uh, you know, just different things that there was only one of, and those are in my collection. Right. So I mean, I do have a lot of one of a kind things. And uh, some video props and just, you know, d- different stuff that I can store and stuff that I can keep, mm-hmm. I grab it. You know, when we're in different cities, I, I grab the local papers, I grab the flyers and brochures that are at the venue. If it's got, you know, Al listed in there, even in the tiniest little no right. picture, no nothing, it still goes in the archive. <laughs> right. I mean, Al's going to look at these things and, and wonder why I saved it because he, he won't have found his name or picture very right. quickly. He'll just, Suzanne or somebody, throw it out someday. And, well, if you ever need any help cleaning out the collection, yeah. I'll be more than happy <laughs> to, to help you and take some items off your hand. Well, I'll be dead. I don't really, you know, whatever. You know, the, the, my, my wife will figure that out. Well, your, your wife can get in touch with me or Al or Suzanne or anybody is more than welcome to. So or wanted, me. Or me. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. we'll, we'll well, get, I wanted to ask another thing in the collection. You know, is there anything commercially available that you have been looking for that you want in your collection? There, there are more and more with Al doing uh, voiceovers and stuff in cartoons. Mm. There are things uh, where I need to find those episodes and see if they've been released on a DVD, for right. example, or Blu-ray. And those are things, 
I mean, they're going to be out for a while. I don't have to track them down. They're not going to be limited edition. They won't come and go too quickly. Uh, or Kenneth Gwynup will buy two yeah. and send me one. Uh, but, but there's, I mean, there are a number of things I'm looking for. There's a number of Canadian things I'm looking for that I know exist. Right. Uh, I sort of, the, the official discography is really limited to the U.S. because those are the only things I could verify. And even then, I'm probably only 99% accurate. There are some things out there that, that, uh, wow. that I haven't known about. That, that I'm just being tipped off to <laughs> and, and by someone else who's got it and says, is this in the uh, discography? Because it probably should be. I go, yeah, it probably should. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, you know, I, I try and make that as complete as possible and, uh, you know, and, and I'm still searching. So I, I have a list of things. There's a number of radio station promo things oh, that yeah. I have, right. the hit disc and those kind of things yep. that I know what the discs are. I just have to find them. So I don't have to really go through a whole bunch and, and read each label. I just have to find the number on the spine and verify that what I'm looking for is on there. Mm -hmm. And then I add that to the collection. Uh, it's been a while since I found those things, but more often they're, they're turning up in record stores. Wow. And, uh, you know, there's, there's about a dozen that I'm looking for at this point. So that's, that's the one <laughs> thing that I'm most likely to find. Yeah. Now, I know Dave is really good about organizing and cataloging his collection. I'm very bad about that. Are you, do you have a, a record of what you have? Yes. Everything is in uh, Microsoft Access, which is their okay. database program. And, and it's just there. I haven't done anything fancy with it. It's just data. Yeah. Uh, but I have, I have it broken down to uh, what the item, title of the item it is, what it is about it that uh, makes it be in the collection. I mean, mm. if it's an Al album, I don't have to list that. If it's right. someone else's album or, or a compilation, <laughs> yeah. I put, you know, uh, uh, you know, Eat It is, is on this compilation. Right. I put who the artist is, if it's appropriate. I put if it's an album, a video, or a single. Uh, I put the uh, label it's on. Mm -hmm. I put the distributor. Wow. I put the catalog number. I put the release date, uh, country of origin, country of manufacture. Uh, any other notes that, that I need to make about that. And then there's a column that indicates, because I, I have merged all of my personal stuff with all the Al stuff, whether it's just me, me with Al, or just something of Al's that's, that's in the uh, recordings file. Okay. I call it recordings, which is a misnomer. <laughs> I, I, of course, I could change that. Right. And so I have a, another column, another uh, uh, field that tells me if it's uh, W means it's Weird Al, B means it's Bermuda, and if there's nothing in there, that means we're in it together. Oh, cool. So it's it's a very, and I can sort, of course, by any. Mm -hmm. you know, I need to know all the USA, oh, the, the format, yeah. cassette, DVD, Blu-ray, LP, promo cassette, promo 45, um, you know, 30, uh, not 33, that'd be LP, 10-inch, uh, mm -hmm. right. um, just whatever it is, and I can sort by, you know, where, where are all the, the 45s I have from Japan, and it's a couple of clicks, I can sort those out very quickly. <laughs> That's so great. I'd love if you'd publish that as a book. I would read that book. It would be a, it'd be a, a very uh, long book. Yeah. A long and intricate kind of a book. No, you know, honestly, mo most of the, I mean, not in such detail, but that's what comprises the U.S. discography, except my catalog goes uh, worldwide. Right. And, and the more I find out about the things I don't know about from Europe or Australia or Japan, the more I realize I can't offer that whole thing as an official discography. The U.S., I've pretty much got that nailed and gone way beyond anybody would expect it to be, mm. and and I'm sure people think it's it's you know a masterpiece. And in fact, it's probably about 99%. But that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty. And that's Rounded the discography up. that appears on uh, Jeff Morris's uh, Doctor Demento site. Okay. And and a long time ago, we just we linked to that and just let him display that. And there's a new format that sort of matches the WeirdAl.com, the WordPress version, that kind of grayish, mm -hmm. um, stark, uh, sterile, austere version that he likes and uh, 
I do. You know, it's it's a it's a great site actually. And when we link to the discography, it goes to Jeff Morris's site. Oh, okay. Yep. So I've designed a page that sort of looks like it belongs in there. And I try and keep that updated, but there's a lot of, you know, make sure you update Jeff on this. And then, so his, is, right. his isn't even as complete as mine. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing <laughs> site, that, that discography page and, and no. everything that you've shared no. with me, you know, helping to, to find, track down stuff, you know, from different countries and stuff. I want to know, you mentioned uh, that you also obviously collect stuff that you have performed on as well. So as big John Bermuda Schwartz collectors that Ethan and I are, what is the one item that, that we should really be looking for that has, that's a John Bermuda Schwartz exclusive, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, boy. top of the line, something well, that we need in our collections? <laughs> well, I don't know how bad, other than as a collectible, I don't think musically it's worth having, but uh, probably the Nipper single, uh, which, mm, which was a group sure. I was in that uh, when I met Al, I was, I was still in the group, you know, sort of a new wave group in L.A. And we did a ton of gigs, did a bunch of gigs. Some of the songs were mostly originals, and, and a lot of them were quite good. Um, you know, I think I think the group might have had some potential, but there were just so many groups out there doing stuff. Uh, and it's interesting because labels were signing new wave groups left and right. Uh, you know, I don't know that that's what started to put them under, but they just they, they thought you know new wave was a cash cow, and they were just signing anyone. Well, like a, they must have in the '60s. You mm-hmm. know, anybody that had a catchy pop tune, you know, we're going to be the next Beatles. Right. And uh, so there were like tons of albums from groups that had one hit or less. And uh, <laughs> and then disappeared, and then faded into obscurity. Well, the Nipper, you know, single was was sort of the same way. And I did as as I eventually did with some of Al's things. I did all the layout. Now, back in those days, and this was 1980. You know, there was no Photoshop, at least not in my world. So everything was paste up, and I used a blue, a turquoise pencil because blue wouldn't photograph under when they shot it to reproduce oh, okay. it. Okay. You know, they didn't see the blue lines, but I used those to line things up and had to, you know, create photos and and everything, all the typeset was all the letter set, the rub-on letters, wow. and all on a little blue line. <laughs> and, uh, oh, interesting, there was a song called The Blue Line, but nothing to do with that. Anyway, Nipper 45, I think we <laughs> made 500 40. of those. Oh, wow, okay. And, and I have a couple left, and they're very expensive. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. That, that's that's the hard-to-find Bermuda, I, okay. I think. Uh, there's there's a number of other CDs I've been on, though. Uh, uh, Rip Masters, Rip is a guy I've been playing with since 1981. And I've done uh, a number of his CDs, and I still work with him. I still play with him uh, uh, regularly, and that stuff's actually not that hard to find. You know, you can go to ripmasters.com, which actually is housed under BermudaSchwartz.com because oh, okay. he's too cheap. He won't spend <laughs> six bucks a month to pay for his own site. Uh, and and. Uh, the, the CDs can be ordered from there. And there's a lot of good stuff on there. There's some CDs where I've done just about all the songs on it and others where there's some other drummers on there. When I'm on tour, uh, his favorite, uh, one of his favorite subs is DJ Bonebreak from X, uh, who's a great drummer and is very multi-talented. He does mallets and he's very schooled uh, drummer. <laughs> that may be him driving by right yeah. now. <laughs> Wondering where his next, uh, yeah, but uh, when I return from tour, you know, I go back and I work with Rip. And, uh, cool. And so there, there's a whole series of Rip Master CDs. I've done several recordings with Ray Campy, who's a well-known uh, Americana rockabilly uh, bass player, and uh, done a bunch of and done some gigs with him as well. Mm-hmm. And there's just a handful of other things. But I, I think you know, as far as most of the recorded product, it's going to be Rip, Ray, the the lone Nipper single. Uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of you know that's you know, more the extent of what I've done you know apart from Al. 
and it's it's pretty small. It wouldn't take very long to put together that collection. <laughs> but I, I would remind those uh, who are interested that the Nipper single is very pricey. And <laughs> should it come up on eBay the week after you hear this? And, and very rare. I think I have two left. So I got one for the archive, and uh, and that's kind of it. Just so you know. You could very, just have Dave and I arm wrestle. Or very, very pricey. <laughs> you guys get a discount. I give you ten percent off. Okay. Wow, that's great. <laughs> so besides uh, collect your own stuff and collecting Weird Al stuff. Is there any other bands or music that you do collect? Not not to the extent that I do the things that I'm involved with or the guy I'm involved with is involved with. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have I have uh, a, an endless Beatles collection, Zappa, uh, a lot of Who, a lot of Monkeys. I mean, I have collections of known bands, but not for the sake of collecting, just because I actually like the music. Right. Actually, no, in the case of Zappa, I only like about half of what he's done. Most <laughs> of the CDs I have, uh, well, I mean, I, I go back to the LPs with him, but uh, I replaced everything with CDs, and pretty much half of those are shrink-wrapped, mm. and they're just in the collection. Those someday will be very pricey, along with, you get a free nipper single with every, <laughs> with every make a jazz noise here CD. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't. I don't uh, collect just to collect. I, I I will assemble a catalog of music that I like. So Beatles in particular. Mm-hmm. Outside of music, is there anything you collect? Uh, d- drum stuff. Well, right. uh, outside of audio music. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I collect. Uh, I collect and utilize drum equipment, mm-hmm. and specifically cymbals. Uh, one, they don't take up a whole lot of room. Right. They you can nest, stack them. They nest somewhat <laughs> and stack, uh, and they also appreciate in value. And someday, along with the Nipper single, did I mention the Nipper single? The aforementioned Nipper single. Uh, I see they, it on eBay right now. They are they are uh, very going to be very expensive someday as well. So that's that's uh, you know an investment as well as a write off. So, as well as I, I, I use some of them. Right. So, that's no, cool. I have I have an extremely uh, um, admirable uh, symbols collection in drummer circles. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably perhaps the second or third highest number. Wow. Symbol collector that uh, anybody could. Will you use them or, or once they're in the collection, they're. No, I mean, there's some that are in there, and and I've sampled a bunch of them. I actually Mm -hmm. stopped that at one point because it was too time consuming to deal with each of them. But I've got samples of several hundred of them. Wow. And that I've used on things. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're there, they can certainly be used. Uh, That was my original plan was to have an arsenal of symbols that would fit Al's. You know various uh, recording <laughs> sonic agendas. You know, well, we're, we're, this song is going to sound like this group, and this song is going to sound like this group, and you know, and symbols are very individual. They sound one way, and that's what they sound. So if you want a different sound, you have to have a different symbol. And I have a lot of different symbols, so I can make pretty much any sound. In reality, in in L.A., uh, on all my gigs, I use one small set of symbols, and uh, they're nice. They're very good, but they're very average, and they they sound really nice. So that's kind of uh, you know, that, that's a little bit the antithesis of the whole having a lot of symbols at my disposal and actually only using like four right. or five. A couple of, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so, so I collect that. And also, uh, much to my wife's, uh, you know, she'll probably send those over to Al when right. I go to. You know, I don't know what these oh, are. Yeah, these are part of it. Part of the archive or something. What is the one item in all of your collections that you would never give up? Or 20. Well, well, <laughs> you don't have to narrow it down to one, but just is there one item uh, that, that, that you're I, so I, really proud of? or, or you know. I, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, you know, someone's going to get all this stuff, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, if I had to sell everything off except one thing? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. You'd have a tough one. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just stay broke. Okay. It's okay. If I'm Maybe broke, the nipper single. Nipper, nipper <laughs> single is what I was going to say. If I could get eight or ten bucks for that, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, that's too expensive. Uh, I see, oh, wait, I you get that 10%. Though. I knew it. Well, yeah, you get, you get it for 720 Right. 
want to talk a little bit about uh, this tour that's out, the Strings Attached Tour. Huh. Is this the first time that, obviously this is the first time that Al has been playing with an orchestra in front of him, besides at the Hollywood Bowl shows. That was that was the first time, that was the, the impetus for this tour. Have you yourself played in orchestras before? Yes, and yes. I mean, and, and at various levels. I mean, I was in school orchestras and, you know, learned to follow a conductor you know, while reading music then. I was in uh, marching bands. I was in other youth orchestras. Uh, and I stayed in one youth orchestra so long that, and so did many of the other members, that they had grown up. It became basically an alumni orchestra. <laughs> it was a bunch of old folks in this youth orchestra who had just been in it for 20, 30 years. So I was in one orchestra for, for uh, well over 30 years and, uh, wow. and played with them you know, until I became like one of the celebrity you know, <laughs> a, alumnus members. But there were a few other people in there, and there were union players in there. I mean, there were people that, that pursued music as a career. Um, one of the uh, one of the more notorious. This was the uh, California Junior Philharmonic Orchestra, or the Junior Philharmonic Orchestra of California. I forget which. <laughs> and so one of the more notorious players in the band was Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, and wow. he was like like third trumpet and and like last chair third trumpet. He, he was <laughs> he was pretty bad, and he was in the orchestra when I was in it, and oh, I wow. remember him. Michael Michael Balsery and and uh, so Michael Balsery in the orchestra, third trumpet, last chair, uh, became Flea, and he came back when the orchestra would do its annual concert. They would have uh, one section was called the Battle of the Batons, and they would have different celebrities, some well known and some mm-hmm. kind of Hollywood has beens and just sort of very inside type people um, would come and and do and conduct the orchestra now. They hadn't actually worked with us, but we were sort of, you know, we didn't make them look too bad. And some of them could actually conduct. Some of them knew how to, if they were in music, if they were a dancer, mm-hmm. maybe, let's say. Uh, uh, Weird Al himself came into that. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, once cool. or twice. Anyway, they had, uh, at one of our, uh, maybe at the 70th or 75th anniversary concert, this, this orchestra had been around for a long time. Uh, Flea came down, and he was in a tuxedo. He looked very nice. Now, I, don't, <laughs> I don't recall if he was one of the contestants in the Battle of Batons, but he came down and just sort of put in an appearance as a, a, an alumnus of the right. orchestra. Um, Al was there that night, Weird Al was there. Uh, but there was another time that Weird Al did conduct, and I think he won, he won the Golden <laughs> Baton. And he conducted uh, Carmen by Bizet. And, uh, and and put his leg behind his head and it was just going nuts. But he like he really conducted him and it's like, okay, well, we're not just playing and we're actually following him. <laughs> and uh, so, so that was sort of a cool thing. And then the second most, most notorious out of the orchestra, I guess, was me. So, <laughs> so not, not too many extremely notorious people. There was someone in that orchestra, one of the violin players, I kid you not, had been in there since the beginning as a little girl. She had been in there, or a little boy, I forget who, what it was. And, <laughs> a little and, person. Uh, a, a small person, a very young person, <laughs> has played, played the violin and had been in there literally since the beginning wow. of the orchestra. Until the end. I mean, they, they were in their 80s, I think, by the time the, the orchestra sort of dissolved. They just yeah. never had the heart to kick them out. They just <laughs> like, or they, or they weren't smart enough to leave. I mean, <laughs> right. That happens too. Right. You know, sometimes you just don't know any better. And well, I, I, like I said, I'm coming up on 39 years without. So, that, there you go. <laughs> oh wait, no. The, the, we get fed. Also, we get dinner. So. <laughs>
with every tour, with every performance, we get a sandwich. Right. So, <laughs> it's your rider. It's a good sandwich. It's a very, this is not, a, you know, it's not some <laughs> loaf of bread, make your own sandwich. No, actually, it, you can make it as thick as you want. It's very good. <laughs> that kind of actually ties into my next question. I wanted to ask you if you had any pre-show rituals, anything you have to do, or, you know, is there a certain way that things have to be done before a show? No. Okay. No. Next. <laughs> no, you know, no. There's not. We don't all get in a circle and pray or no. or go. Okay, it's going to be a great show. Okay, you guys, I, you know, I want you to concentrate. I want you to focus. Yeah, nothing like you would think should happen. Yeah. Uh, we all know the drill. It's like, yeah, we'll go out and do a good job, and it'll be fine. Uh, no. You don't have like an extra pair of sticks like hidden under the chair. Or you're just. I just go. I just I do I it. Touch my drums for the first time. At, you know, at, at showtime, <laughs> and hope everything works. Right. You know, somebody goes out and sets all that stuff up, and I and I hope it's all there and ready to go when I sit down because it's very embarrassing. Right. If not, and with this orchestra, the way the show begins is I come in during their first piece, and have to just start playing, while they're you know finishing up. Uh, um, well, fun zone. I'll just, I'll just <laughs> spill it. Fine, it's fun zone. And and we sort of come in. I come in first. And uh, then Steve comes in, and then Jim comes in, and we finish up the song as a group. So if my stuff isn't ready, I mean, it becomes uh, very apparent very right. quickly. <laughs> uh, so far, so good. So far, okay, great. <laughs> we, we have a great crew. That's great. Now, that's interesting that you, you said So you don't really practice with the orchestra before the show or anything. I mean, you've certainly rehearsed with them, at, have you? We, we, what, the way it works is... Uh, because it's extremely time-consuming, as you might imagine. They have to run the whole show. Yes, they have their parts in advance, but they don't play together as a group until the day of the show. I mean, they don't oh, actually wow. do that. And it's with our conductor. We have two conductors. There's a father and a son, and they trade off. And I don't know why, and I don't really know when. <laughs> <laughs> we know like a day in advance who we're going to see. Uh, no, we have we, we know when they're going to. But they've been trading off, and they're both very, very good. And they know our show. So the conductor is working with them for the first time the day of. And if we didn't have that, we would literally have to do an entire show with the orchestra and then do an entire show with the orchestra again. Right, right. Uh, we get a sandwich in between, <laughs> a big sandwich. So the, the way it does actually work is the orchestra, there's recordings of us doing the show, and it's basically drums, Al's vocal, and some key parts, like yep. possibly the, the keyboard or some other key part they might be hearing. And they hear that, and the conductor conducts them through it while that's playing. So they are essentially doing a, a virtual sound check. You know, we are there by way of a, right. one of our recorded shows. Wow. So they, they are doing the show, so they don't know what to hear. So they've got the tempos. It's our conductor, so he knows the cues, even without seeing us or looking around. He, it's already in his head. Yep. And he's got the cues and can guide them through what the show is going to be. Wow. And that's part of their, obviously they exert a lot less energy than we would. And of course it would be very taxing on Al's vocals to go through an entire show. Right. Sure. Uh, just to train an orchestra every day. So that we weren't sure how that was going to work, and that got sorted out very quickly, much to uh, our pleasure, which mm -hmm. is that we don't really have to sound check. And so far, so good. I, I think it's, <laughs> it's working. Well, no, not because we don't like to play, but it's just it really is a lot of extra work. Right, sure. And, and it's probably more tedious for us to play along with the orchestra than for the conductor to just deal with the orchestra. And if he needs to stop them, he can do that quickly. If you got a whole band of people up there, you know, all of a sudden it becomes a very long day for all of us. Mm -hmm. We don't always stop together. It's, it's um, <laughs> much better to just sort of localize it. So that's how that's working. And it's, it's working well. So different orchestra in every city. Sometimes we'll have the same orchestra in nearby cities like San Antonio and Austin. Okay. Uh, shows had the same orchestra. Uh, the uh, Little Rock show will have the same orchestra that was in Memphis with us. Uh, in uh, uh, Seattle, we're doing three shows. It'll be the same orchestra, of course. 
but there, there'll be some cities where it's close enough. In fact, the five dates in Florida, even though the cities weren't that close, all had the same orchestra. Oh, wow. Right. Yep. Uh, so, you know, with, but largely with a different orchestra every day, it is a lot of work. And the conductor ends up doing a whole show plus, and then they have to rehearse most shows. The orchestra does four pieces of uh, sort of modern contemporary stuff, John Williams, and uh, <laughs> with what mixed in with one Lalo Schifrin song from that, uh, you know, the Peter Graves movie. Oh, I'm sorry, the Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> Mission Impossible. <laughs> See, I remember this TV series. The kids know the movie. Yes. <laughs> and, and it works out very well. So we actually are getting sort of a break. On this That's tour. great. That's nice. Compared to the last tour, the ill-advised vanity tour, hmm. where every show was different, sure. <laughs> yes. how does that compare to uh, what you're doing now with the orchestra? How was that different? Was it more or less difficult? Was it more or less fun? It was more, more or less. It was fun. It was. It kicked, it, it changed things up for us, sure. as well as the audience. I mean, we we delighted in the fact that, you know, the first report, you know, we came out and played all these songs and, and uh, they said, oh, this is the set list and then it was different. And then it, I think after about four or five weeks, they had probably realized that they weren't going to hear anything new and they knew which 50 or so songs right. were, were being right. rotated. <laughs> but Al had very carefully, I mean, we had set lists for the whole tour in the very beginning. He very carefully made sure that no two shows were alike, uh, paired with doing a straight cover song in each show, 77 shows, 77 cover songs to be learned to play one time a piece. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that was actually quite a bit of work. And it was fun. I mean, that, that was a, a lot of fun as well. Uh, and it was fun changing things up. Right. Uh, we, we enjoyed that. I mean, we played a lot of songs that we had never played as a band, really. I mean, you know, it was right. a lot of stuff we recorded where we really didn't all play together. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things we had never played live or hadn't played live in 30 years. And uh, so it was, it was fun. That took a, a bit of rehearsal to do that. Uh, this tour is more like other tours, you know, orchestra aside, in that we have a set list. And it's, uh, you know, we know the stuff very well. And there's a certain consistency you get in playing the same thing over and over and over. I mean, it's always fresh, but you also get very good at it. Right. And you also, like on the, on the No Frills tour, we uh, sometimes two to three weeks ago by before we repeat a song. Some songs were kind of down on the list in terms of mm -hmm. how often they got played. And if we hadn't played a song in a while, we had to rehearse it because we would forget it. You know, we would <laughs> had all this other stuff and, you know, and it would be, we, you know, we'd better run through it just to make sure we freshen up a little bit. And so we, there were some songs we never quite made it to 100%, you know, because mm -hmm. we just didn't do them often enough. The songs that we did a lot, Jackson Park Express, things like that, uh, we, you know, we got pretty good at pretty quickly. Other songs, if they didn't get played often enough, never quite they were never they were like 99% which in Al's you know thing is is not good enough right you know it's got to be like 99.9% .9 it's then good it's enough like, for the discography yeah. but not for yeah <laughs> then it's like okay well then 99.9% that's fine that'll be all right. they'll, they'll, they won't know the difference you know they'll buy that but 99% no we better go over it some more are there any songs that have not ever been performed live that you would like to see performed live or have you gotten to play all your favorites I, I mean, there are songs, obviously, we haven't performed live because we just, we can't. Right. Or we would butcher them so badly. <laughs> or we would have to change them mm -hmm. uh, so that we could play them. And then it's not the song anymore. I mean, I, I think that the best example of that would be like Hardware Store, which has got the vocals right. that, are, that are so quickly sung, you know, and, and it's it's comped together. And it's, you know, I mean, it's a put, you know, it's not a secret that that's edited heavily. <laughs> There's no, the only way to do that song would be to just change the version slowed it down so that it can be sung right. and then it's not the song anymore right then it's not you know i mean it's it could be done but it would have to be changed much like when we did dare to be stupid on the no frills tour because we weren't running 
the dare to, the, the synth track, we weren't going to try and do the straight version of that. That's why that got oh, changed. Oh, I was wondering about that. And I think the original plan was to to maybe work up a few different versions of that, but we found that the the Grateful Deadish kind of version <laughs> right. uh, worked very well. It did, and we yes. just and we kept that. <laughs> but that's the reason. So so for example, that it's back in the set on this tour, and it's back to the original single version. Uh, because we have that equipment with us. I mean, we literally, on the No Frills Tour, it was just the five of us making as much noise as we could <laughs> without any help whatsoever, without any tracks, without anything. And and on the no, on the Strings Attached Tour, there's really, there's very little tracks out there. I mean, there's really, it's it's us. I mean, it was part of the reason we brought along three singers is to, since now we're going to have a live orchestra, we better make sure the vocals are up to snuff. And uh, I certainly don't hold up my end of the bargain on vocals. In fact, I'm singing a lot less on this tour, which is, that's good for everybody. I mean, for me and for anybody that has to hear it. Uh, but the uh, there's only a few things that really, like in word crimes, I mean, there's all the little ricky-ticky percussion stuff, and we just, that's not something we can have the orchestra do, and there's there's like certain sounds and things, like glass mm -hmm. breakings. I mean, that has to be on the track in order to make the sound, the song sound right. Short of that, there's not that much, you know, there's the dinosaur wars in right. Jurassic Park. <laughs> that's not you? That's, uh, yeah, the screaming, that's, that, that should be me, I can scream. But there, there's very little going on. I mean, this is really, this is like 98.5% us, <laughs> like live players, live instruments. And uh, so in, in that respect, it's a little bit different than previous tours. It's, it's just, it's a lot more live and there's, I don't know if there's more that can go wrong. We really haven't had any train wrecks. I mean, it's gone very, very smoothly. Good. So, and, and, I, <laughs> and the reviews have been very good, and, and uh, the fan reviews have been very good. And uh, I mean, nobody's asked for their money back yet. Like that would ever happen. Right. But, no, I mean they might ask. They're not ever going to. Right. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> or at least not the Ticketmaster fee. Um, no, it's it's gone very well. So it's uh, you know it's hard to say which is more enjoyable. I mean, I, I like them both. I just I like playing both and. Uh, you know, I don't know if the orchestral thing will be back. I don't know if the, the no frills thing will be back. I mean, we'll just see what happens. I know we're the plan is to take 2020 off, okay, and come back and, and see if anybody uh, cares still in 2021. <laughs> and uh, well, at least two of us will be. <laughs> well, that's, you know, we may just be playing. We may just come to your house. Hey, that works. We got room. We got couches. <laughs> we can sleep on. It's fine. Because okay, well, we're yeah, if, we, if we're playing houses, we're going to need to sleep on couches. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to provide all the drums too. No we problem. Can, yeah, we can figure that out. <laughs> so you had mentioned that, uh, of course, you did 77 different cover songs on the Vanity Tour. Yes. Or so. So out of those songs, which was your, which ones were you looking forward to playing, and what was uh, your favorites of those songs to play? They were, well, I'll, I'll start by saying that I submitted about 20 of the songs. Okay. Oh, oh wow, okay. That, that I thought, one, that, that well, it, it's, they weren't supposed to be what was necessarily fun to play. That would be nice if they are. Right. But it was supposed to be something that the audience would appreciate. Right, and recognize. And, and recognize sure. and enjoy. So when we did uh, the, the Element song by uh, Tom Lehrer, yes. that's that's a very narrow uh, audience for that. <laughs> but it's all ours. I mean, they... Oh, yeah. And that was one of those things where it was literally just Alan Ruben. I mean, we... we they did it a la Tom Lehrer as much as possible. Right. And Ruben really doesn't, he had to study that. That wasn't really something that he, that's not his style. No. And, and Al, Al rehearsed that quite, uh, you know, because you get one shot to do it, right? Right. And you can't slow it down. It had to right. be a la Tom super Lehrer. fat, yeah. Uh, so so uh, that wasn't one of my suggestions, by the way, though. Uh, Al had a few things that he wanted in there that were some of his personal favorites from when he was starting to learn to play accordion. Mm. Uh, like classical gas. 
oh, okay. was one of those. And in fact, we did classical guest. I remember it was Eugene, Oregon, and one of his invited guests was Mason Williams, who did classical mm-hmm. gas back in the '60s, and who didn't know it was coming. <laughs> oh, wow. just thought, oh I, uh, that's how nice of this Al guy. I'll, I'll go see a show tonight. <laughs> that, that'd be nice. I guess it's uh, he provided tickets. I'll just go sit in there. Right. And anyway, so so we did the song, and and uh, Al says at the end, says, "Yeah, that was by Mason Williams." I, Jim, he turns to Jim. He said, "Jim, what, what do you think Mason Williams is doing right now? I wonder where he is." And Jim said, "I think he's over there." And, and we knew where he was going to be right. sitting. And the guy turned the spotlight on him. And, and he, he was very crazy. He stood up and he That's took amazing. a bow. That's and we went out and had drinks with him afterwards. And had uh, he's, he's a, a very nice uh, gentleman. Wow, that was very cool. But some of the things I suggest, I think I suggested uh, what I like about you. Okay, I oh, suggested yeah. Blister in the Sun. Um, cool. I, I may have suggested uh, either Magic Carpet Ride or Born to Be Wild or both. Um, <laughs> there, were, there was a list of stuff. There. Yeah. And and he had a long list of things that were you know that he, he uh, sort of, he and I sort of cooked up that particular list. And there were a number of things that I said this. There's no way. I know we're going to try and do a bar band version of these, but I know you. You're not going <laughs> to. We're never going to sound like that, and you're not going to be happy. So let's not do that. Um, but there were 77 very different songs, and, and they're all, uh, well, they're available, I think, still through Stitcher as yeah, part of right. the shows. That was an amazing thing to, you know, for the shows that I wasn't able to go to, to get to hear the cover songs or the, you know, the, the different banter before the other songs was amazing. Right, right. And that was the other thing about that tour that we don't have the luxury of doing on, on really any of our other tours, where it's a show, where it's a set script, and the show, songs are in order, and there's really... There's often not time to really stop and do anything. Right. Like wish me a happy birthday on, on <laughs> right. the day that we play in August. That's my birthday that usually <laughs> we're playing. Anyway. Uh, Would there be so, any possibility for a strings attached CD, like a compilation of you know some of the, the favorite songs with the orchestrations? You know that would be that would be a very expensive proposition. Really, these are all union players. They're not doing us any favors. They're, they're mm-hmm. uh, and and that would be another level of pay. Right. Them. And and uh, I don't know. I mean, that would be one of those things that would have to be just sort of a favor for the fans, mm-hmm. uh, not something that would be, you know, let's make some money because right. it's, it's not. <laughs> that would be one of those let's let's issue five thousand CDs. Right. And, Ethan you know, and or, Dave will buy twenty seven apiece. Or, or just or simply <laughs> simply stream it. But I mean, the problem is, regardless of the manufacturer, that's the cheap part. The expensive part is paying them again for right. the release. Right. And because uh, it's all strictly union. Mm-hmm. And and that's a that's a whole other animal. I mean, it was something that I had thought of was you know we should this would make a great live video. Yeah. And you yes. go on uh, PBS and you hawk that or HSN or QVC <laughs> or whatever, and you go on there and and you know you show portions of the video and you have Al talking about it between it during the breaks and you sell you know a hundred thousand of those. That would be cool. And uh, but again, you get into uh, major expenses, you know, as soon as you start videoing something, well, we need $25,000 for this, and uh, each of the players, it gets triple scale, and then there's all this other... Right. <laughs> and, and it's, it's uh, I, I had brought it up, and as far as I know, there's no plans to no. do it. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest on our podcast. Well, thank you. And I have one special request before you go, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Drum solo? <laughs> a drum solo? Actually, now I have two special requests. Oh, I didn't bring any drums, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, my special request is, one of my favorite moments is um, when Al stops you on stage and makes you recite Little Suck-A-Thumb. Oh, yes. <laughs> and yeah. I'm wondering, if, you, if putting you on the spot, if you could do that for us right now. 
Well, I'm not really on stage. I, <laughs> I could. I mean, I could do it in my spare time, I guess. <laughs> okay, you want to hear it? This is, let me, let me, let me preface this. This is from a, uh, a book that was published in Germany, I don't know when, and it was called something, something Struel Peter, <laughs> which, is, which is like, tra translates into slovenly Peter, like a bad, <laughs> basically like a bad little kid. And it was, it was a book full of, of rhymes and sort of stories about bad things that kids do. There was a story, uh, something about Johnny Slider legs. He would slide down a banister and his legs would fall off or something. Kind of <laughs> anyway, there was one of the stories, and, and this is something I learned when I was 12 or 13. A friend of mine had this book, and, and I don't know why it stuck with me, but it's one of those things you get in your head, like you learn a song and you just you know every lyric, even if you haven't sung it in 10 years, it comes right back. <laughs> so Al, Al could pull that, and he has, and uh, if he does, it would go like this. The story of Little Suck-a-Thumb. One day, Mama said, Conrad, dear, I must go out and leave you here. But mind now, Conrad, what I say. Don't suck your thumb while I'm away. The great tall tailor always comes to little boys that suck their thumbs. And ere they dream when he's about, he takes his long, sharp scissors out and cuts their thumbs clean off. And then you know they never grow back again. Mama had scarcely turned her back. The thumb was in, alack, alack. The door flew open, in he ran, the long red-legged scissors man. Snip, snap, snip, the scissors go, and Conrad cries, oh, oh, oh. Snip, snap, snip, they go so fast that both his thumbs are off at last. Mama comes home, there Conrad stands, looks quite sad and shows his hands. Ah, said Mama, I knew he'd come, to naughty little suck-a-thumb. <laughs> Thank you. And now back to our program. <laughs> Actually, if, now if someone finds that, I, I wouldn't swear that that's exactly word for word, but it's, it's that magic 99.9% .9 right. where it's like Al it's says, if enough. you've got one word wrong, it's fine. That's amazing. All right, that was, that was a suck of them. And now for my drum solo. Drum solo. Okay. <laughs> wow, that was great. Great drum solo. For me to thank you so much. Oh, thank this you. Was, this thank such you a so great much. thing to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I feel like we just barely touched the surface of everything we could talk to you about. Well, we could we can come back to this, uh, you know, next week. Yeah, we'd love to have you back <laughs> on the podcast sometime. And uh, good luck at the show cool. tonight. Oh, and, thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you to Bermuda. That was such a blast getting to record those interviews with you. And I'm so glad we finally got to share the second part of that amazing interview with our audience. Yeah, we've been sitting on that hoping for a really special occasion. So happy birthday, Bermuda. Yes, and uh, we have more episodes coming out every week. We have bonus episodes, our Centimeter episodes coming out every week. So every Wednesday, you can check out the full episodes. And we've got a real good one coming up next week. Yes, a great friend of mine. Vicky DeVries is our guest. Of course, she is half of the mastermind behind the uh, Weird Al star. Yeah, and so um, we we took a interesting approach with the interview, and it we sort of put Dave on the uh, under the spotlight. <laughs> Him and Vicky and I sort of run the interview and and talk to them, and we go through the entire journey of you know, where they came up with the idea to how they got it funded, all the way up to the actual ceremony. And so that will come out right 
the same week as the one-year anniversary of the unveiling of Weird Al's Hollywood Star. Yeah, and you were there too at that ceremony, so we're looking forward to hearing your comments on it too. Of course, of course. And uh, so you can check us out, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and our website, at 2000inch on all of those social medias, and 2000inch.com for our website. Yeah, we also have a Facebook group where you can join us, talk about all the different episodes, and don't forget, you can always call us on our special hotline. And we want to, again, thank Bermuda for the great interview, and we want to thank all of our fans and friends who check out the podcast, support us, share our stuff, tell their friends about stuff. It's just, it's it means so much to us. So thank you for doing that. Thanks for subscribing. You know, if you're not happy with how you're listening to the podcast, uh, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google, we're, we're everywhere. So if you decide you want to get a new phone and you're <laughs> Afraid that you won't get to listen to our podcast anymore? Do not fret. We are available everywhere. And if you're listening and you want to check us out on a different platform, just let us know. We'll make sure we get our podcast on there. And by we, we mean Frank. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we have so many great guests coming up. Of course, Vicky next week. We're excited for her and we're excited for the guests we have coming up after that. You're going to love them. The only way you can make sure you hear the latest Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast episode the second it drops is if you subscribe. And so many people tell us they literally listen like as soon as it's released. (laughs) And so, I mean, I'm not up that early, but (laughs) I'm glad that you guys are and you're enjoying it. I'm glad glad we make Frank wake up early and post them. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I actually was poking around. There is a way to schedule them, but don't tell Frank that. Don't tell Frank that. Yeah, don't tell Frank That was Dave Nathan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, Episode 16 Inch. You'll edit this, I assume. Yeah, of course. Good.